When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by Grand Beats. Grand Beats is a game audio production studio that provides implementation of adapted music, interactive sound effects, and voiceovers for game developers. They're a team of game audio professionals that have worked on hundreds of successful video game projects such as Diggy's Adventure, Mafia Definitive Edition, Dust Off Z, and much, much more. For a full audio solution for games under one roof, save time and resource by allowing Grand Beats to focus on your development long term as they help with both indie and AAA projects of any genre. Their technology for vast adaptability is what sets them apart from the competition. Don't just take my word for it. Give it a listen and watch. Headphones on, volume up, and let yourself get into the experience. Let players immerse themselves into your game. Binaural Audio, interactive design, adapting to increase game dynamics and players' experience. Crafting a AAA audio experience is a difficult challenge, but not for us, a team of game audio professionals. Sound badass, right? So go ahead and go to audioxp.net, A-U-D-I-O-X-P.net, and tell them that Game Dev Unchained sent you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham, and with me, a special, two special guests, Evan and Jerry. How are you guys doing? Myself on mute. How are you guys doing? All right. How are you? Doing good. Good. Uh, so this is the part of the uh, podcast where I actually ask our guests in this uh, specific case about yourselves, uh, where you've been, where you're at, where you're heading. Uh, so Evan, let's just start with you and we'll talk to Jeremy. Yeah, so I'm Evan Anthony, um, creative lead on Genesis Noir, um, which I made with Jeremy. And we studied new media design at uh, RIT together. And after graduating, we both worked in New York City as doing web design, um, interactive installations, motion graphics. And after doing that for several years, we decided to make our own game. And uh, we recently released that game uh, just a little more than a year ago. Um, And then since then, we've been patching it because yeah. there are a lot of bugs <laughs> and adding some free DLC and making some some new things which we're excited to share in the future. Yeah. And I'm Jeremy. I'm the technical lead. And I don't think I have much else to add that Evan didn't already cover. <laughs> so you guys met in uh 
early in college then, I assume, or you guys were friends before? In college, yeah. We were both in the same program. <laughs> and you were mentioning in the graph design, was your major before, yeah. before everything? New media design, which is like fancy high-end websites. It was, it was it's basically Flash websites back when Flash was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and motion graphics and some installation art kind of stuff. Yeah, so we learned a pretty broad range of skills in that, yeah. but not directly game design. Um, Jeremy ended up being more interested in the programming and development side of things. So uh, after graduation in his career, he kind of focused more on creative technology and creative mm-hmm. code. And I kind of like kept going on more animation heavy kind of stuff. So we we started from the same uh, education, but we kind of diverged into its complementary skill sets. Well, that this is pretty unconventional. Do you guys have a like a like a game art program in, in the college, or was no. it just unavailable? Okay. Now they do. Um, now they do. Yeah. Now Artsy has a. Mm-hmm. a I don't think they have stuff. a specific game art program. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone I know who's gone into game art has always has they they've come from like illustration um, or kind of just traditional arts. Um, that's usually what works out best. I found. Yeah. So yeah, making our first game, we had never used Unreal before, and I'd use Unity in a few projects, but no, nothing like a commercial yeah. game release, which is a very different beast than making like a, a web experience or interactive yeah. installation. Um, so yeah, we learned a lot and, uh, made a lot of mistakes and we're pretty naive, but mm-hmm. we pulled through and released our game. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, um, sorry. Let's talk about like these different, uh, you know, the start of it, like how, how long was the, the process? How long did it take? Um, the inception of it, was it always an idea upon graduation that you guys would go in and do this? Uh, no, like you came into it later. We we were both interested in games, yeah, and we knew that about like each other. And at, after we graduated, Jeremy and I would take time off from mm-hmm. like freelancing or doing work and like just make little projects. Um, like we bought fifty pounds of dry ice and yeah. just spent a weekend like making little short experiments and short films with with that material and. Um, <clears throat> We're yeah, we're just very interested in mixed media, and and that interest kind of like naturally led to games, mm-hmm. like as the kind of the, the like the zenith, right. <laughs> like mixing all different medias, um, and yeah, I uh, I read this really great book called Cosmic Comics, and I was really inspired by this collection of short stories, and I kind of thought. It made me think of this idea that the Big Bang sounded like a film noir and that this could be a story in the kind of language and narrative style of Cosmic Comics. And I showed that to Jeremy. You were really into it. it, And this idea kind of like was perfect synthesis of our different interests. Jeremy, you're so into jazz. Right. You've turned me on to so many things. And um, yeah, like I'm really interested in film and animation. So yeah, it just seemed like a perfect opportunity 
for us to combine our interests and strengths. And, yeah, you yeah, it's definitely uh, the vision is very unique. I mean, even without sound and, and then the jazz and, and musical elements, obviously a big part of the game, but like visually it's very compelling. It's very different than like the noir times of 30s, 50s. It has like a good mix of it. It's very appealing upon first glance. Uh, and uh, the indie scene has been very innovative in the game industry, as you guys are well versed in, right? But it, you can fully understand that for, for something to, to stand out, even in that crowded market, is it's amazing. And I think you guys did just that, um, especially well, for a first title. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is all we could do. <laughs> like, yeah. like, we couldn't, this is very much our strengths. Yeah. Like we could not make uh, a hyper-realistic a realistic game or um, but yeah, a more traditional looking game. Um, we would really struggle with that. So I, I'm really thankful that tools like Unreal are getting accessible enough that um, you know people who haven't been immersed in that in game development can pick these tools up and learn them and, and make something that plays to their strengths. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a strength to you guys to be able to kind of complete games. I mean, I know a lot of, um, I, I come from the AAA space, and uh, even with those guys who've been making games for a decade or so, um, they don't really follow through. I mean, it takes a lot of grit uh, to kind of sit down with a friend, uh, especially, I don't know if you guys went into the full-time, were you guys like balancing it? With with the day job, like what was that scenario to so we had completion? Yeah. We had done freelance work just on our side for like a couple of years, like two years, and we take occasional breaks to work on like little prototypes for the game. And eventually, we decided to take like like a year off. I guess how long did it take to make the purple slice? Yeah, we we were working on that probably. 80 to 90 percent of yeah. the time we still took on some freelance gigs but yeah. we transitioned to doing mostly working on that project mm-hmm. um yeah there was a couple of years where we were just developing that idea and like doing little prototypes getting feedback trying to figure out how we're, we're going to pitch this idea communicate it yeah and then once we made the vertical slice we showed it to some publishers at gdc and they got a lot of you know, positive feedback and the GDC uh, before the candy or yeah, this was 2017. Yeah. Yeah. It was 2017. Yeah. Last few times where it was full. <laughs> uh, I think it was the year before two, two more years before COVID. Then. So um, my, my question is, I don't want you guys to gloss. I, I do want to ask like the specific parts of, um, you know, because the hardest part is the beginning in, in balancing a lot of things. You guys were saying you were freelancing at first and in between, like what exactly was the periods here? Are we talking about a three month period and then one month on three month off one month on. And then finally, is it a year in where it's like, all right, we can take a year off and yeah. concentrate. So with, with your work, Evan, you could take gigs that were like a weekend for animation or something. Right. Like I remember you doing that. Well, uh, yeah, the, the precise timeline is the idea we had it in 2013 mm-hmm. and we're kind of sketching on it for the next kind of couple of years. Um, 
and probably taking one month, mm. two months over the course of each year to like dedicate our time to making a pre-visualization or mm. prototype or something. Um, and then uh, in 2016, we, um, or was it 20, yeah, 2016, mm. we went towards making our vertical slice. And I think, uh, yeah, I took off, I, I was working probably one or two months out of that time. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I went full-time right. project in 2016. Was that a two-man team the whole time? You guys get contractors for help? At the beginning, we brought on some freelance friends to like help us do concept art. Mm -hmm. And logo and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and then once we you know, uh, teamed up with our publisher and did our Kickstarter, we had a better idea of what kind of scope mm -hmm. and how, how big of an audience we might have for the game. Then we kind of assigned our budget and we brought on um, several developers to build like specific tooling and the interface. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, yeah, we continue to work with our freelance pals to, to make animation and art. And then, of course, we teamed up with our musician, Skillbard, mm -hmm. who, who did like a phenomenal job throughout the entire course of development. That was before the vertical slice. So pretty early. Yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine there's a lot of vast education throughout this process for you guys, but you guys still were able to kind of ship this out in a very timely manner. Uh, how was that like whenever you guys hit setbacks where you didn't know a specific way of doing things in the game? I know you guys were playing to your strength, but there was obviously things that you guys didn't, you had to learn on the job, right? Um, how did you guys overcome that so quickly? And it's still like, what was the longest period where you guys felt like, oh, we kind of hit a wall here, we need to figure this out? And then, I mean, I don't think there was much any kind of wall, it was mostly. Like, cause I knew, like, because we had the source code of Unreal Engine, if there was something that was not working or weird, then I could at least try and figure it out. And there's a lot of online resources and people that I've met uh, just through networking um, that we were able to like consult with in terms of helping us like solve problems. Yeah, um, and we partnered with uh, Plastic Burn to help us yeah. to uh, Xbox and Switch, and they helped us with. Uh, controller and mm -hmm. certification, and we partnered with uh, localizers to help us translate. So, and then our publisher gave us a lot of guidance as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say the the most challenging thing was towards the end of the project because, like, I think we like we really underestimated the amount of time QA, mm -hmm. um, like just playing through each of these different builds mm -hmm. for each of the different consoles. You know, checking all the languages. Uh, debugging as a small team while you're trying to like add the final bits of polish mm -hmm. and uh, like implementing all the audio, especially with our musicians, because Skillbard just <laughs> they like everything had to be perfect and amazing. Like we, I was, I was like, oh yeah, we'll just reuse this sound, and they're like, nope, we're yeah. gonna make a, like a bespoke thing that is perfect for this animation. And I was like, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, having and going in and putting all those sounds in and checking them all. Um, yeah, I, I definitely underestimated that part. So was it roughly a overall? I, I think you mentioned this, but was two and a half years, three years overall from 
conception and well we released in early 2021 <laughs> and we we finished our kickstarter in 2018 yeah so it was like basically four years of full-time development mm -hmm. and then um one uh, year of, yeah let's say one year over the course of several years yeah. of uh like tinkering away as freelancers the kickstarting thing so that was when kickstarter was I, I always mix up my time when we started because there was a really hot period obviously yeah slow down a bit and then it's kind of stable now right yeah where was that in 2018 2017 that, uh, definitely not super hot yeah like it was a very stressful experience i'm grateful that we did it because um we had no experience like communicating with an audience or doing like building a audience and zero basically no no yeah. one coming into that right yeah. so it really forced us to like write a monthly blog yeah. post and reflect on the things that we were making and involve other people into our project and get feedback from them um but yeah it was a it was definitely a challenge we we squeaked by um in the last couple of days which is i think common a lot of people yeah. have that experience where it's like like a like yeah, a, building an audience from zero. Yeah, it was like flat and then yeah. and so was it because of you guys were sharing screenshots of the game, you were doing uh kind of like little dev diaries? What was the the initial build-up where you started to have traction to to yeah, I mean we started a one month campaign where yeah. finally you had the audience? Okay. Yeah. That that was supporting it. Yeah. So it was mostly that, just just engaging and yes and and uh, our, we had signed up with our publisher previously, and they helped us manage that and reach out to people. And but yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, like trying to find out other projects that were live at that time and collaborating with them. And like we teamed up with uh, oh, yeah. some video game socks. And yeah. They made uh, socks out of our characters, and we, <laughs> we you know, Gave hyped them up. Yeah. So it's like all these like supporting one another. Um, and what you do on Kickstarter, like you'll get a bunch of emails from everyone else running Kickstarters around the same time. You're like, hey, let's synergize some stuff. Yeah. And a lot of times it doesn't make sense, but sometimes it does. Yeah. So were you guys being picky or were we just like, hey, we're we're kind of new to this. We'll use our common sense or we just say, hey, let's just just let's see how 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 the dice rolls just i mean we were pretty picky pretty yeah like if if a project looked relevant like a similar audience then i think it makes sense to to share it but um mm. if if it's like a completely different kind of project or you the know quality levels quality, in there yeah then, then it's not i think helpful for us or the other project so um I'm sure you guys did your research before that. There's just like X amount of days. I think it's the first 24 hours where you kind of know if your campaign was going to be a success or not, just based yeah. on trajectory, right? Was was that tracking for you guys, or did you guys have to do something midway to kind of up it to, to make sure you cross? I don't it? remember. How, how did you guys settle with the campaign uh, uh, goals? Uh, you know, did you have like a certain yeah. budget in mind? Our our budget was for. Our like uh, completion was like forty thousand, and mm -hmm. I think we got like forty five, yeah, something like that. So we, yeah, we got into our first little um, kind of like reward, but that was at the very 
last day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the first when we launched the project, Kick Tracker, which is a good website, which kind of predicts like uh, if your project's going to be successful, was was like, um, yeah, it said we were going to be successful, but uh, not you know it wasn't going to be like a blow blow yeah. off kind of thing. That's the kind of thing with Kickstarter. It's either you just make it, you don't make it at all, or you're really really successful. Right. Like there's no middle ground, really. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was difficult. I'm glad we did it. Um, and and so much of like um, because we were so new to all this, like many of the things that we did in the beginning of the project were just important for us to kind of take on the responsibility and treat this like a business rather than just a side project or a hobby. Yeah. Like one of the things that we did that was very valuable was. We entered um, a contest, which I don't think is no, available anymore, but New York State had an indie game challenge. And uh, you do like a business proposal. Or yeah. So you, you create a pitch, a mentorship plan, a business plan. Like you really document your project very well. And we ended up winning that. And the like having to go through and write a business plan and like actually outline our audience, mm -hmm. how we're going to reach our audience. And, what the risks are in taking this project and being honest about like what our you know what risks are and how we can mitigate them it was yeah it was very important yeah so i mean i was actually going to follow up with that um exactly that i mean did you guys were you guys leaning on professors colleagues that have done this before uh throughout the process um i mean that's what our publisher some of the sources because our publisher has a lot of experience in in that stuff over years at other triple a places other consoles other game companies etc um so that's kind of where we got a lot of insight from and you had been reaching out yeah and i've been on twitter you know just meeting people in the game scene um just getting advice in that department was also super valuable yeah so i mean it, it helps because like if your game looks good in a GIF, then you get immediate attention on Twitter if you just like ping some people. Um, so that's kind of our, our strength is that we can show a thing off really well. Um, so that definitely helps. Yeah. And we definitely credit uh, co-op mode. Yeah. People who made Nog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Celine there like really mentored us mm -hmm. and said like, he was the one that pushed us to go to GDC and we like bought tickets a couple weeks yeah, before. Yeah, like two weeks before. And yeah. so he was like, like, we have two bunk beds in our hostel. Yeah. You can have them. Get over here and pitch your game. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. And was GDC where you met your publisher? When did the publisher kind of, kind of Yeah. Come? Well, I had emailed um, someone in the indie game scene um, who was a scout for our publisher. They're not there anymore, but they were at the time. Um, and I emailed her just asking for a bunch of advice. Um, and they were like, yeah, well, here's the, the answer to your advice. But also, uh, right, you should go to GDC and we're going to schedule you a meeting with a publisher. Um, so we met with like a whole bunch of people there. Um, and they were all super supportive. Um, and the good thing about the publishers was that, you know, if you weren't a good fit for them, they tell you, like they recommend you to someone else. And they tell you who else to talk to and give you emails. And they go, here, I'll, I'll introduce you to these other people. Um, if your game was was you know good because mm -hmm. like we like talked to devolver 
And they're like, oh, this looks great, but you're not like it's not our kind of thing, which is obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, they were not an arcadey kind of thing. Um so they were like, oh no, you should go talk to these other people. And you know, it was just kind of nice to uh get that kind of validation. Yeah, yeah. So we we found the whole indie scene very supportive mm -hmm. and people are eager to mentor you and if you ask and if you you know you show up with with the work. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a a period where publisher was kind of like an evil thing that's always take, 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 take. But thankfully that's evolved, especially because of the indie teams yeah. like yourselves uh, being so innovative. Um, because like just a few years ago, indie publishing is like, what is that, right? It sounds kind of scammy, right? It's like, why don't you, I, I'm making all the work, why can't I just do it myself, right? A through Z, like Steam Greenlight and stuff. But um, because the indie scene have grown and it, the, the games are a lot more complex, right? Um, more, 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 more like akin to uh, PlayStation 2 days uh, where they were smaller teams, but quality work uh, that the publishing have become like you guys have experienced. It seems like more about mentoring and, and working in line yeah. with you guys. When you guys were went to GDC, was it, Basically coming with a with a trailer with a prototype was was it six months in or how how far yeah so we had like made a vertical slice over like eight or nine months or something yeah um and we had a trailer yeah we, we had a trailer that you had edited. we yeah. had music and sound from Spielberg we had the business plan we had a pitch deck and, and we, the important thing I think we had was that we had like tiered pricing or tiered budgets or scope yeah. yeah so we if we had if we got like hundred thousand dollars we would build this we got two hundred thousand we would build this and this and we got three hundred thousand we built this this and this um so that was good that was, they, the response was obviously pretty good they liked yeah that. they liked that aspect a lot because it showed that we had thought about you know oh, how much does this actually cost um and the numbers were you know accurate um so that was i think a big benefit yeah uh luckily our background coming from like advertising and kind of commercial art world because we're we got really good at making pitch decks yeah <laughs> so presentations lot, yeah so. a lot of people really complimented us on our uh presentations um so we had yeah, a very janky see that <laughs> we had a very janky uh vertical slice that was like yeah oh you could get stuck on things and yeah it's just like it oh. yeah we ended up like refactoring and redesigning so much of the, that early content that we made um but i think like our publisher and people that you know they could see like okay these guys have they have a lot to learn but right. they're like thoughtful and um we could we see that they'll get through it you know with some help yeah they got they got good bones yeah <laughs> we can build from this. well i, I want to ask you guys this like um you know i i come from an art background. I went through a game art and design. Yeah, we had pitches here and there, but like, it sounds like you guys had a lot more serious pitching going on. Um, what set, what worked for you guys that you guys felt set you guys apart? Because, you know, when we think of pitching, it's like, all right, so, and this is the number one thing that people tell us, don't go to PowerPoint. Is that like, what do, all right, screenshots, <laughs> trailers, like what should I be showing? Uh, what was your guys' process? to kind of end up, because it sounds like you guys do really well with the pitching. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean we, this is a lot of work. Like, yeah. a lot of bespoke drawing and like laying out what the plot would be and what the characters are. Um, yeah, we, and this would be on a screenshot after screenshot while you guys are standing there explaining slide by slide or? Yeah, we yeah. just put together like a hundred slide uh, presentation and Google slides. And uh, yeah, like trying to really be economical, economical yeah. uh, so that each slide has a very simple concept that it's conveying, but there's some hook to it. Like you're always, you're continuously it's, putting you're, you're, little, you're, you're telling a story. Yeah. But you're like constantly putting little hooks of like that at this stage, we don't have, we haven't made the thing and the thing, the game uh, that we're trying to create, we're very flexible with, but we want to create little scenes that uh, let the, the viewer of this pitch kind of inject uh, or, or identi or, yeah, yeah. identify with what particular thing that they might find compelling. So, like, we had uh, you know, like a section on like gameplay, and we had created some prototypes, and we documented those with gifs and texts, which describes the thing that we had made. But we also sprinkled in just like one-page slides with things that we hadn't made but we wanted to, mm -hmm. like. Um, like uh, uh, explore, like performing a Japanese tea ceremony, or like hunting a stag through a medieval forest. Just like one sentence kind of ideas, which we didn't get into specifics about. Okay, how is this going right. to be implemented? But trying to leave uh, enough open that people can, yeah, their imagination could be stoked. You guys find yourself having to, uh, because you've done a few of those, a lot of those before you got the publishing deal, um, kind of tailoring to the person you're talking to, like how oh, yeah. how much time did you really have to, you know, meet the person and like, nah, I know this, their, their appeal is this, you know, let's emphasize on these slides versus others. It sounds like yeah. you guys were doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's definitely one of the most important things to do is also make like branch off your pitch yeah. into variations which satisfy the the needs or the question or answer the questions that a particular person might might you know be interested in um but that said uh you know i think uh as, since we were so inexperienced we didn't necessarily have the like context to know specifically uh a lot about each of the individual publishers. So yeah, our pitch decks for them were customized a little bit, but not significantly. Later when we were pitching like console people and stuff, that was all. Yeah, there we would do bespoke yeah. decks for each person we were talking to. Yeah. How different were they compared to the other publishers? Um, those were, I mean, it depends, like depends on what our goal was. If like we pitched to Microsoft, I guess, and our, our publisher did that pitch. I don't think we did for Genesis. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the Game Pass thing. Uh, Is that normal? The publisher kind of taking his pitch and. Yeah, I mean, in some for the first time, I guess. I don't well, know. so our Genesis Noir, uh, we uh, Game Pass licensed Genesis Noir, um, 
And the that was part of a larger deal that uh, Xbox did with our publisher. So they licensed several of the publisher's yeah. games, one of which was ours. Yeah. So oh, the publisher had a larger pitch that we were a part of. Yeah. We weren't directly. Oh, I see. So, so they had a deal before, and you, you guys were included as part of like this tender yeah. for one deal, and then right. they want to take this as part of our pitch to them. Yeah. Yep. Oh, interesting. How involved were you guys with that? Do you just from just results and not at all. Like, we woke up. Not at all. We 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 provided as much you know info that they needed for them. Yeah. And then here's a bunch. And they said like, okay, these you know really we just need these five slides or whatever. And yeah. Um. Yeah, we, we weren't involved in the actual meeting with Xbox. No. Um, so, well, yeah. Were these, uh, were there key meetings that you guys felt, because now you're entering, you guys are full-blown game developers at this point, right? Mm -hmm. uh, were there meetings that were, you guys felt like was transformative of making a huge leap in understanding the industry, uh, the business, uh, especially of, of the industry? Uh, and what were those meetings where you felt like, oh, okay, now I, I, I have a bit of grasp. Early on when we were like getting started doing console ports and stuff, you know, I think we had a bunch of meetings where it's like, here's how console development works. Yeah. Uh, here's what certification is. And uh, uh, meeting with the Unreal guys. Yeah. Uh, we we got, we were lucky, Unreal gave us um, and like, the, like, like professional grant. support. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we they they met with us mm -hmm. um, with some senior engineers, and they helped us figure out a game plan to do our custom animation mm -hmm. system. Um, so that, I, I mean that that's more yeah. your ballpark, but for right. me, that made me feel like okay, uh, it, these guys are taking us seriously, and I, I I have a better idea of what is involved in the engineering. Right. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was mostly just like, oh, I've never done console development before. And figuring that world out was super interesting um, because I mean I've, I've done you know large scale engineering projects before for other big companies um, and the problem solving is pretty much the same kind of stuff. Um, it's just now it's like I guess the big difference was you're selling a product to uh, a client like a big company if you're making something for them versus selling a product to the general public. That mm -hmm. um, I think is kind of a big transformative kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the main thing about the meetings with our publisher was that basically every time we had a meeting, it was like, oh, great. These people have our backs. So they know what we're doing. They understand stuff. Um, there wasn't, it was great to just always talk to them. And they were just, we were always on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. And they also, especially leading up to release, mm -hmm. um, we had several conversations with Chris uh, from Fellow Traveler, the like, CEO yeah. of the company and like about what the expectations for a release is going to be like. the emotional impact of it dealing with press yeah and because we hadn't done yeah. a deal spoken with press before and we, yeah, we had basic, interviews basic things yeah. well you guys are doing great now like what were, what were I didn't know that how involved these was so this is quite news in these because you know obviously um we're a game development podcast I I Introduce, you know, introduce and, and talk to a lot of game developers of all different places. But uh, I really never dived into the publisher-developer relationship, and it sounds so evolved from just, I think the last time I was talking to Indie Group was a year ago or a year and a half ago. And it sounds, uh, there's a lot more mentoring 
than, than I expected, um, where they really walk you through everything. Like what were the kind of things they were preparing you for the press releases? Most, yeah, it was mostly just like the press stuff. Like, here's what the press is going to ask, uh, avoiding, like, we got bombarded by like random people on steam asking for keys yeah and just like oh these people are scammers. Like kind of scam. yeah um and like checking steam forums yeah responding to reviews here's here's like the providing a kind of framework for the language of how you yeah. customer service um yeah and like how do you triage yeah all the different issues that Come up during release. How do you schedule doing patches? Yeah, especially when consoles take another extra week to patch due to recertification stuff, uh, all that kind of stuff. Another, I guess, kind of thing they helped with was just the sheer amount of assets you need to prepare to go on any digital storefront. Yeah, where everyone wants a different size thing, a different number of images, and you know, tailoring that to look as good as possible on every platform was uh, a lot of work. Yeah. The expectations that you guys going in, I think about like the first day you guys put a business proposal of like purely like thinking about the game, obviously we're developers, creatives, right? And all these extra factors about shipping a game, right? All these things that you guys have to learn, talk to the press, uh, certification. Uh, I knew that was coming. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, I've, I've had friends who have been in AAA and been in indie games way before we started making a game. So I know... I knew what the process was and I knew that's oh that was coming. But yeah. you, you don't think about it until it actually has to happen. Um right, because there's so much on Yeah, the I mean you're still making the game. You have to have the game made. So it's not there's no thinking about like, oh, I'm I'm gonna have to search later. And I mean now I know what to avoid trying to put in a game to avoid cert issues. Um what are those uh, if you can give some quick ones internet or things or something? Um, internet things yeah if you put anything in your game that needs to talk to a server that isn't owned by the company that you're doing the the, that isn't owned by microsoft or sony or whatever um then there's this whole rigmarole that you have to go through we didn't do any of that but it's on my mind for this new project um in some small ways um but and then also just a little localization is another big thing of just like knowing like oh this is going to be difficult for the translators to deal with um that kind of stuff i think is is good lessons learned i guess what so the uh, the language thing the localization is stuff that i, I think as a developer i kind of uh take uh for granted right it's all oh, it's that other group will they'll, they'll take care of it but as an indie, you don't have that luxury for a lot of things so are there like key languages? Like how many languages that do you guys have to kind of nine? Nine. Yeah. I mean, once you do one, they're all basically the same in terms of programming wise. Um, but setting that pipeline up because every like if you use more than one localization company, then they're all going to give you data in different ways. They're all going to use your spreadsheet slightly differently. Um, if you don't know how to set a spreadsheet up that you're putting all your text into then you have to write a bunch of code and scripts to like translate that spreadsheet into whatever format your engine is using. Um, so there was a good like month of figuring all that out. Yeah. And like, we also didn't provide, we didn't anticipate um, localizers coming to us with questions. So they each, and so they each kind of like had their own format for asking us questions and for clarification or reporting uh, mm -hmm. like a, text rendering issue yeah. when they play tested. 
So because we didn't think of that and we didn't have like a, a nice survey or spreadsheet for them, we, you know, we just had to like, we had a whole bunch of different places to look. And mm -hmm. I think that definitely slowed us down too. Talking about slowing you guys down. So if you guys don't mind me asking, what was the original estimate where you guys felt, uh, you know, Evan and Jeremy at the beginning when you guys were in a ship to, to the actual four, you said four years, right? So what was the, the how much all this added to that? It was one extra year than we planned. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. So it's actually really good. Yeah. yeah. Usually <laughs> I've, been tell, I've been told it's like twice. Yeah. Like everyone's just like always two X. If you think a, two, a game will take two years, it will take four years. Yeah. Three, well, when we were very, when we were beginning at the start, like when we first had the idea, it's like, oh, making a game and releasing a game, mm -hmm. that will take no time. But I don't. I never had that relationship. That's how I. <laughs> yeah, the I like I'll release this no. game before my thirtieth birthday, and right. There's no <laughs> all types of things. Yeah, didn't hit that milestone. No, but, but I, yeah, originally was was February 2020. Yeah, was what we said in the Kickstarter. Yep, and then we, then we were like, okay, we're gonna aim for like a July, I think, or August. Yeah, and then like missed that. Yeah, and then we. Yeah, we're gonna be like, okay, holidays. Yeah. We're gonna get it in before the holidays. Yeah, like October, November. And then that didn't happen. And then it, it felt like we were gonna be close to that, but we didn't really enough. make it. And then it felt like we had a bunch of time. It was, it was like, okay, but then we're sitting on this for a bunch of time. Right. But really, we needed that to like put yeah. in the polish and debugging. Um, and we still released with a lot we of We still needed another like three months. <laughs> Realistically, yeah, yeah. Just to debug and play test. Yeah. Our Steam reviews early on got hit somewhat Very hard. Understandably. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. we, we also had issues where, like, we had fixed bugs, especially mm -hmm. for like Xbox and Switch, but we couldn't get them to our players. For like Switch, Switch was, yeah, had an old build yeah. for the first like two weeks or month, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Before we could get the late, like, the builds that we launched with on. Um, xbox and steam so yeah like the first um couple days of release was so strange yeah like my personal experience was like each, each day was day like a week felt like an actual week yeah because we were i was sending out kickstarter uh keys to our backers and i was responding to uh, customer support i was responding to the press i was checking you know twitter mm -hmm. for you know feedback and and trying to also fix bugs yep. and yeah, it was it was just uh, I I mean I slept, but yeah, no, we we slept. We, we slept, but there was just so much input, like yeah, so much stress. Yeah. yeah, coming into uh, and so much emotion and you yeah. know, like feelings about like releasing this thing finally um, after working on it for so hard for so long. It was a very strange experience. You guys feel. I think I know the answer to this. Do you guys feel at some point that it was easier to quit <laughs> during the process? I so. No, I mean, well, we, well, we had a contract for our publisher saying we're finishing this. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, no, there was never any, anything that sucked enough to be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, it's like, okay, are we going to disappoint people by yeah. being six months late? Right. Or however late, you know? Yeah. So the delay, like the publisher was always fine with the delay, but we always had to like, spend a day wrangling a Kickstarter message 
be like, hey, we know we said this, but now it's actually this and for these reasons. And the reasons are always valid. Um, and it was, you know, we're adding controller support, we're doing this, we're doing that. And we also had some stuff that we couldn't even announce. So we like, you know, make up some little things. But mostly it was around controller support and accessibility kind of things. Um, Remetable buttons, all sorts of kind of things that we were adding. Yeah. Um, but we were ad adding them because they were part of CERT for Xbox, which we didn't announce until, um, no, it was for Switch that we didn't announce. And there was also performance fixes for Switch. Yeah. Um, I think we had done Switch that we probably would have released like back in the holidays. Yeah. Um, just Definitely. because that was the main source of things, was just making that game not die on that console. <laughs> Uh, like just to kind of go back to to asking like um, specific developer questions. As you guys kind of going through this the first time, learning as you're going, developing the game, uh, going back to the comfort, it's like all right, I know what how making the game is, and I'm discovering tools and tech stuff that that, that might be new to me, but it's exciting, it's fun. Um, the big thing was like figuring out what the engine has available for us to use. There's still times now where I find out new features of a real engine that would have helped us in the first game yeah. that existed, but I had no idea about. So I ended up building my own solution. It was like 10 times worse um, than Epic's. Um, so that's still a, a, a weekly occurrence for me. But uh, I guess my question to that is like, um, if you were to look at your time in percentages, right? Like uh, just for those four years, how split were you guys? Was it 50% working on the game, 25 uh, the other 50% doing all these other things that you guys didn't really plan for, right? Just promoting, answering emails, uh, fixing bug is part of development. So that counts, uh, talking to the publisher, getting ready for a new presentation or whatever the case. How, how what was your time split if you look at a typical day? Um, yeah. that what that looks like. Well, I, yeah, it's hard to quantify. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it was it was definitely more for me than Jeremy. Yeah, because I made the trailer and I also we released it was like a collector's edition where I made an art book mm -hmm. and I made Kickstarter rewards. The Kickstarter rewards ended up being a lot oh, yeah. of work. Um. So like if I, I yeah, I guess with the trailer, Kickstarter rewards. Like 10, 15 percent. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um 15% promotional stuff. Yeah. But like ultimately it was all valuable anyway. It, I mean, it was all valuable. Yeah, yeah. Like all that stuff kind of fed into the actual experience and, and product. Um, because we were trying to be very deliberate about everything that we make, like either teaches us a lesson or teaches us about the characters or is like directly something that we can put in the game. So like for our announcement trailer, um, like it starts with a shot of the main character falling into the big bang, which is like this expanding gunshot with stars in it. And the character like falls in and he like his hat falls off and he like reaches and grabs it just before he gets sucked into the universe. And I had that shot in the game, but it was like very limited animation. And I was, for the trailer, it was like, okay, I really want to animate this yeah. well. And so that was work that I did for the promotional 
um, trailer, but ended you know ended up in the game, and I got to have this you know yeah. one part of the game a little bit more polished. For the promotional part, I guess I just want to ask you this then um, to call it, kind of follow up on that. Uh, knowing what you know now, like how deliberate are you when you guys are working on your next game to kind of make promotional kind of feed into development? Because that's the biggest issue yeah. with um, any type of, especially in AAA, right? Because a lot of those promotional have often been throwaway. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, and indie groups are are especially kind of finding themselves in that throwaway work just to promote and then no one's working on the game. Right? So how, how did you find like a nice rhythm there where you can feel like, Hey, going forward. All of the promotional work in the engine for the most part. Yeah. Um, so it was all animated in the actual game. We did just big renders or you would just screen cap, you know, a 10 EP. Yeah. Um, I mean, like switches for each trailer or true or false. Um, yeah. Just, so there were like just gameplay parts where we would just like turn switches on and off. Or we had like a mode that would make the cursor bigger and all this other kind of stuff. Um, so I think that was a good way of being honest in that kind of sense. Yeah. I, it's also just very important to think about all that promotional stuff. Yeah, and the timing of it. Yeah. And, and this is also from our background, like as making the, like the, a promotional set for a movie or yeah. whatever. Like, um, and we're also very interested in like title sequences. That's yeah. one of our like, the things that was emphasized in our studies. Um, like so much about experiencing a piece of art or an experience or just any kind of product or experience is how it's framed to you and what your expectations are when you go into it. And particularly for our game, which is such a esoteric, heady, abstract, abstract yeah. concept. Um, it was very challenging to like communicate what the scope of what you do in this experience, because conceivably it's the entire history of the universe. Right. So like trying to lead people to kind of have reasonable expectations and then be surprised by how we deviate from what we tell you you're going to be doing. is challenging. And, and we definitely noticed that there's a portion of our players where um, like they wanted a very traditional film noir OB story. And that's not really the story that we tell. And um, yeah, so I think we could have done our promotion and communication better. It's something that I want to be even more thoughtful for our next game. In, in the promotional stuff, was this a timeline kind of given to you by the publishers? Like, hey, by three months, six months, nine months? Was that given to you guys and you guys have to create things for that or was it collaborative? What was, if it is a timeline thing, what was that timeline? Uh, we had like a schedule, a rough, like they didn't do anything until um, like, I don't know, six months before release, I guess. Um, yeah, our, our initial yeah. release date. Yeah. Um, and then like there were like special events around like conferences and showings at different cons and things. That we'd always make stuff for, uh, and we always made a lot of material for our Kickstarter backers. Did you guys always go to those, or was um, one of you? I would, yeah. I, I went to PAX East 2018 and Indiecade and a few others, I think. Um, so we always had a lot of material to make for that. Yeah, we we'd often target 
like our promotional stuff around opportunities yeah. that our publisher would, you know, like find for us. Mm -hmm. Like we got a spot in the E3's um, PC Gamer Show. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, we need to make a trailer for this. Yes, we made a bespoke yeah. specific trailer for that. Um, that was like a month. Yeah. Um, and then we made a different one for the release. And then we made another one for the DLC that were released. Yeah. And another one for our album. Yeah. It's just a lot of material. Yeah. It's you two guys were the only ones doing all that stuff. It's so much work. Uh, it's fun for me. Yeah, like that's, I mean, that's our background. So yeah, I like. I, it. Yeah, but it helps. And it's, <laughs> it's nice to make stuff that isn't going to be used by anyone. So you can just make it. Just has to look good. Yeah, yeah. it looks good. That's all that matters. It's just it's the video or GIF, you know. And the nice thing about making a bit like a video game is, uh, we just have so many assets and tools yeah. and things to play with, and like. So much of it we can't put in the game because playtesting, stability, mm -hmm. like, yeah, just pacing the scope of the project. But like, I have all these assets and like, I have systems for like manipulating them. And like, it's just fun to play with them. So, yeah, the marketing stuff is an opportunity to like take all those models that you just see in this one scene and like, they're really cool, but like, in our album trailer, I just like put them in a, 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 I spawn copies in a ring and it just like rotates and it's just graphic and it looks cool. Um, and it, you know, to actually make all those systems by hand or make those assets for the first time, it's a substantial amount of work. But for me, like I have them all on. Yeah. I just, it's an opportunity to like bust them out again, mm -hmm. give them the love that they really deserve. Definitely. Um, uh, were there was there an event uh, that that especially made an impact for you guys? Where you guys felt like, oh, okay, this is next level. People are really hearing about us. Twitter's blowing up right now. And E three was was pretty huge for me at least. Yeah, because I remember like paying attention to E three when I was a kid, and it's like, oh, only the big games get to go there. I mean, like, I was at the event, but I watched it a lot. It was just pretty surreal mm -hmm. just to be like, oh, yeah, it's have, like, have the announcer. Yeah, right. You know, be like, yeah. And then we're like sandwiched at the very end between, I don't know, two gigantic games with way more money uh, behind them. Um, and just, you know, squeeze ourselves in there is pretty, it was pretty surreal. Yeah. For me, it was going to Dave the Devs um, and having people play our games. Which is an event in in San Francisco hosted by um, Double Fine, yeah. and just everyone there was very very gracious and like very kind, and our build was super buggy mm -hmm. and like not polished like to the degree that really we wanted. Mm -hmm. And making the make the experience of making the game was like, uh, and this is so much about art. Oh yeah, here's an example. Yeah, sure. how we could reuse these assets in our trailer. Um, but yeah, the experience of making any piece of art in my personal ex experience is that like you have such like high uh, ambitions and like in your mind, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's so, this is going to be so awesome. Right? Right. And then you sit down and you, you actually try to make the thing and there's constraints and there's limitations. And sometimes you fight, figure out solutions that surprise you and that are better than what you had anticipated. But oftentimes, especially in game development, you know, there's just 
realities to like what a small team can do and what technically can be accomplished. And uh, just also like your, your own creative limitations. Like I'm not as good as I want to be. Um, so showing someone like all our failures and all you know, make this the thing that isn't quite what I really had hoped it would be or that I haven't had the time to put the work in and then have people still be into it, even though I'm seeing all the faults and all the things, places we had to cut something or all the places we spent a week debugging mm -hmm. something and feeling really frustrated with it. Um, yeah, getting that reception from players was very, like, very meaningful. There's a there's an often pain point and reward uh, when you put any product out there to, to be judged, and uh, especially being in a bigger team where most of my career has been, you know, it's easy to kind of hide behind like the faults, right? It's like, oh, well, I mean, I'm one of 300 people, and it's not my yeah. fault. But yeah. as an indie team like you guys. Um, yeah. We you know, all I think during, yeah, yeah, you're the only one that could be blamed yeah. during development. I think it's very humble to kind of like take clothes in. So yeah, the more critique, the better. We're we're making the game, we're fixing the game, as the ultimate expression of you know all our experiences, right? And when it's out, like I think that's the number one fear. It's like all right, it's out. I'm exposed. Yeah, people are either really like it or not. Like, what was that? Was that part of the preparation of press? Like, what was? I mean, there's reason for that. Do you guys think about that? There's only so many words someone can say to you to prepare you for that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's like you put so much time into a thing, you're not prepared for any kind of emotional impact for everyone beholding it. <laughs> um, and it's different from commercial work because with commercial stuff, it's like, oh, it's you know, no, no one cares about me making it. They only care about, oh, it's it's Nike. You know, Nike put up this ad. Okay, great. No one really cares. It's gone in like a month or whatever. But when you put out a game, it's like, oh, this is, it's like a baby that you birthed. Yeah. And it's such how much effort that you, you, you put into it. Especially um, with our goals where like, this is really an expression of our yeah. interests and our, you know, things that, like we really want to, you know, find beautiful. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, it's, it was definitely difficult. It's like, what I, I find really challenging is the fact that our relationship with what we've made is so fundamentally different yeah. from what any, anyone who's played the game, like, I have no idea what they experienced. I'm um, incapable of enjoying it. Yeah. Feels like. <laughs> we, every, especially our game isn't really, a, it's not about like learning a mechanical skill and getting better at it mm -hmm. and like developing mastery. I imagine developing those kinds of games, like they can be a very like fulfilling process. Um, but for us, like our game is all about like just exploring and discovering where we, the authors take you on this narrative and we take you to some surprising yeah. unexpected places. And when we first had those ideas, it'd be like, Oh, it'd be so yeah, cool. Was, yeah, it is. Like throw you into the heart of a black hole. Yeah. Oh, cool. I want to see that. Yeah. And we made that and then we had to play test it 300 times. Like, I never want to see this again. <laughs> yeah. And so there's nothing surprising. Like, I see people screenshot scenes, which I remember when I illustrated them, I was like, I remember feeling good about it. But now, nothing about it is like, oh, yeah, that is something I'm proud of or right. I think it's beautiful. I'm just overexposed. Yeah. So, yeah, it, maybe in a decade, I'll yeah. look back at it and be like, all right. Yeah. 
that was okay. <laughs> but for now. But you guys are still able to enjoy that people are enjoying, right? That's yeah. That's some kind of a validation of force, right? Yeah. I, I enjoy the process more than the end result. Yeah. Like personally, like yeah. as the person who made it. And I'm very, very happy that people appreciate mm-hmm. our garbage work. <laughs> and we could do so much better. So, you know, that's great. We're that willing to show them what a good game actually is. It's true. Um, I'm terrified around English reviews. <laughs> how long were you guys able to kind of, because, uh, you know, all, all the way to launch, you guys were working hard. Even post launch, it sounded like you guys, there was a lot of work involved with that. Yeah. When did you guys feel relaxed to be able to kind of even think about the second project? Was that in 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 your back in your minds already while you guys were close to shipping? Yeah, uh, I mean, we had ideas for next projects that were just like percolating, and I've been collecting inspiration and writing down ideas, but nothing, no real active prototyping or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'd say it took us four months yeah. after release for us to debug all the stuff to ship out all the kickstarter rewards mm-hmm. to just decompress before mm-hmm. i don't know personally i feel like we had the yeah. same kind of like rhythm right that i remember from the beginning of the project right um but yeah during that time we were we were working but yeah we tried to take it a little bit easier and jeremy started teaching yeah so that was kind of like um way for you to yeah take a break take a yeah use your brain in different ways right i wanted to ask you guys this earlier but uh, i just remembered it right so um you guys are a duel right uh we're friends before this so that helps but i've seen so many cases where you know people kind of warn you don't mix business with friends yeah because it can go really bad um obviously you guys made it work but we're, you know, there's obviously moments that you guys might butt heads. How how do you guys work over that? And uh, it sounds like there was never like a close encounter of, <laughs> of a break. No, I, mean, I mean, I have too much stuff to work on to bother with holding a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be mad at you for like a day. Yeah, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have patience for anything longer than that. <laughs> no, same. Well, I think yes, like rooming with someone, yeah. working with someone. It's going to really change your relationship, especially like I haven't spent as much time with Jerry. Yeah, I mean, you're like, we any hang time, out much. I, well, I haven't, yeah, I don't spend time like I spend with you, like with anyone else. Yeah. So it's just, we have a very fundamentally different relationship. Um, I think, you know, if we weren't we're actively working on a project, we would revert back yeah. to our role. Right. We'd still like to collaborate yeah. every now and then. But yeah, it's it's just, yeah. A lot of forgiveness. We we trust each other. We both knew that this was kind of a project we really believed in. Yeah. So there was never like, oh, does Jeremy care about this? As no. Much as I do. Right. No. I think we were, we both felt like we owned this. Mm-hmm. It was like a real synthesis of our ourselves that we couldn't make individually. Right. Um. So, yeah, that, that was you know it's it's tough, but also like very beautiful to kind of come together with you know someone that you really respect. And make something yeah well yeah. To, to, to kind of throw on the toughness you know the pandy happened i mean you guys shipped right after well i mean in the heart of it it feels like march 2021 right how did that did that i mean do anything uh to, to the development was that i mean there was like a good 
three or four months right as it happened where yeah. you were at home and I was just in the studio. Yeah. And I was like very, very non-productive yeah. for like several months. Um, and there wasn't a lot of communication because uh, everyone was just like hunkering down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, beyond just, uh, I've, I've, obviously everyone's mind was, yeah, especially yeah. we were in New York City. Yeah. So, um, like, I remember hearing sirens oh, yeah. and like, or people, you know, banging pots and pans. And so like, yeah, I remember uh, just mentally mm -hmm. paying more attention to the news than mm -hmm. really was probably necessary. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, I also really believe in, sharing a workspace with someone mm -hmm. and like being able to answer questions or just motivate each other. Um, so yeah, that definitely impacted, uh, I think slowed us down oh, yeah. during that period. Um, but luckily uh, we weren't planning on having a social life. Yeah. <laughs> so like for a time when you're just gonna like commit to making Finishing, a thing, yeah. it was uh, a well-timed in that sense. Um. And this is one of my last questions, but it's my favorite one when I'm, I'm kind of talking to indie teams. Um, there's obviously a lot of things you guys learn, right? You guys went through like a pandemic together too and shipped the game on time. Uh, knowing that you, what you guys know now, do you think it's going to equip you better for the next project? And in what way exactly, specifically? Absolutely. Like what ways to improve? Uh, it can be productive in your Just like, oh, I know how to build a game properly now. Um, so, like, we just had so much technical debt in the first game, which is like the concept of, oh, you're, you, you start making a thing and you don't know what you're doing, but you have to start with a scaffolding. The scaffolding you built is kind of crappy because you don't really have to build one. So you're stuck on top of this rickety scaffolding for the rest of the project. Even when you know it could be better, you don't have the time or energy to change that. Uh, so now with this new project, we can you know, take all those lessons that we learned and be like, oh, I, I didn't like this aspect of how we built the old game. Let's do it differently this time. Or this, these kinds of bugs are really hard to solve. Let's build a solution for that. Um, so now we kind of know what parts we like the least about the process, and we can build solutions to those from the get-go. Yeah. Also, just from narratively, our, the art side of it, we had never made us written a story yeah. <laughs> or like written characters this long. Like we've done like 30 second, you know, TV stuff. But... Yeah. Well, I don't even think of those as characters, you know, no. they're, they're uh, iconographic. Right. They're a caricature. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think by the time we finished this game, we kind of really started to learn storytelling. Um, and I'm really excited to tell, uh, to kind of synthesize the thing that we made, our Genesis Noir and the strengths of that kind of our abstract storytelling, but kind of satisfy some of the um, the more structural narrative kind of storytelling uh, things that we didn't do quite as well um, with our next game and try to, you know, just continue to refine and figure out that balance and find ways to inject um, characterization and plot and narrative into this kind of abstract framework. Um, 
I know you guys are not ready to announce it, but I, I just have a general question. Did you guys have a automatic in with your publisher for the second project? Uh, how how early did they kind of kind of tap you guys? Seeing you know things were going well with Genesis Noir, like yeah, I mean it was that conversation kind of automatic. Yeah, um, like we just enjoyed working with them so much that we couldn't really imagine yeah doing this project in with someone else at least yeah and. I got the sense. You had to go through the pitch the same way. What was different about the second games? There was more trust for sure. Um, so like we knew what they wanted to see. Yeah. And I don't, we didn't really have to show them much. Yeah. We, we showed them three or four ideas. Yeah. Um, which we were all, we, we were really excited about all of them. And they kind of gave us like a, well, this is like the natural next one. And then this would be a good follow-up. And so they gave us their input on, you know, some of them were just like wild. It's yeah. Like, how how can we? It's a fun idea, but we can't sell this. It'd be hard to sell, and we're like, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, maybe we'll do those at some point. But uh, yeah, uh, I I don't think we would have been we we wouldn't have been, been successful in creating anything without our publisher. Mm -hmm. And then they also really pushed us to kind of uh, take on this like controllers. Uh, make it run on lower end hardware yeah. and switch and and they brought it you know they helped us bring it to xbox so yeah i i think they definitely have earned their cut um with any of our projects yeah for sure um, so yeah it, it felt like a natural next step awesome well, we uh, we just hit that hour mark. I want to thank you guys uh, for for spending an hour with me. Hopefully, it was painless. Uh, that's my goal every time. Oh, that's uh, your great question. <laughs> well, you guys are great developers. I always look at you guys as uh, the shining light um, <laughs> because you know even the pandy. You know, uh, AAA developers are having the hardest time working independently. You know, uh, you guys know firsthand what it's like to be remote and, and trustworthy. And so on the big scale, a lot of developers, even though, you know, our industry as a whole grew, uh, a lot of people were struggling uh, yeah. just trying to ship games and, and do things. Uh, and so smaller teams like you guys uh, are always, to me, kind of are the innovators and basically showing what the industry is going to be like and what it should be uh, to make creators happy, right? Uh, the more we understand the full process of game development, the better we are as game developers. So uh, when we do decide to kind of group together in a team of 300, right? Uh, we'll be like Sparta uh, if we want to. Um, right now, I, I do see like huge disconnect with, even though they have all these releases, but you go to the biggest publisher, the biggest game and talk to that developer, they don't understand the process um, from beginning to end. And I think that that eventually does hurt the industry. So what you guys are doing is very inspirational. Um, Oh, yeah, I do you. want to kind of shut up at this point to kind of hand the mic over to you guys to tell the good people how to find you guys, you know, um, and then everything, how to kind of keep updated uh, for your next project and go out to buy Genesis Noir where they can get all the info. Cool. So it's on Steam, uh, Xbox, Game Pass on both PC and Xbox One. Uh, it's on Switch, it's on Windows and Mac. We just released um, some free... DLC content uh, yeah. several months ago. Um, and you can find us on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, Genesis Noir Games. Instagram. We're still throwing up things. Yeah. Now and then, but we're pretty quiet. 
think we'll start, you know, we'll be quiet for a while. Yeah. But we're really excited to show what we're our doing. next stuff because I think, you know, if you enjoyed our first projects, then I think you'll be interested in our next. And uh, yeah, thank you for giving us this platform yeah, and for sure. asking such thought provoking questions. And uh, thank yeah, so much. Thank you. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime you guys want to come back, I would be glad to have you guys and talk about everything. Uh, That's it, guys. See you guys all next week.